Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a while. It, it's, been, it's been a long two days. It, it, it has. It is a very wet and rainy Thursday. But here we are. We are two weeks from draft day. I am. Very excited, considering there are no other sports to really watch right now. Um, I'll take any little ounce of excitement that we can get. And knowing that the NFL draft is in two weeks, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that there aren't too many sports to watch, because that might change real quick. Very good segue there, Mr. Caster. Look at you. I'm a radio professional. What can I say? Wow, you're gonna take you're gonna take my line. You're gonna say that you are a radio professional. That is just that's that's something. That's just that's, that's something. That's something. But you know what? For a little transition, I'll, I'll give you points on that. I'll let I'll let you say radio uh, radio professional if you'd like. Whatever. I appreciate it though. No problem. This is what I'm here for. Yeah. So yes, there are going to be sports in addition to football. Live sports, in fact. Basketball is uh, suspended for the foreseeable future, much like baseball and hockey. But that doesn't mean that there might not be any action going on in the courts because ESPN is going to be televising a horse tournament. That's H-O-R-S-E for those that are unaware. you know, And, ca- and cannot spell at a second grade level. Right, exactly. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners know what how to play horse. Uh, you... Possibly, I mean, maybe maybe they've been spending too much time watching something like the Tiger King instead of uh, shaping up on their uh, their spelling. Have you uh, have you seen Tiger King? No, I still haven't. It's interesting. It, I can it, imagine. It is, uh, it, it, it's interesting. I uh, I was uh, I was suckered uh, into uh, into watching it. And uh, I literally, I, I sat there and I was just saying to myself, what the fuck is this? It, 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 it's some, uh, it's some trashy shit. I can imagine. I mean, it seems like that sort of thing. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that, no, I'm not shocked. I, I was gonna say, are you are you really not shocked? I was gonna, I was really gonna say, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Well, okay. So let me let me rephrase. When I first heard about Joe Exotic when he ran for president in tw- in twenty sixteen, correct? I was like, this guy is pretty eccentric. You know, he he's a bit weird. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, but then this documentary comes out, and you're like, oh. He's not just a bit a bit weird or eccentric. He's a murderer. No, he's a psychopath. Yeah. He's a he's a straight psychopath. And it's like if you know nothing about him and I knew I knew stuff about him coming in, so I was just like, oh shit, you know, I, I kinda knew what was, you know, coming with this. But if you knew nothing going in and you just had no idea what you were watching and you thought this was just a guy that just was raising pet tigers. Number one, that should be a big red flag. If there's actually a human being that raises pet tigers, 
Uh, that's number one. Number two, then you realize very quickly as you just watch the show, this guy is a straight, he's a lunatic. And and that you have no one in the show that can really string together a sentence of proper English. That too. And they all have accents, like deep southern It's accents. deep south. It's deep, it south. deep south. Hell yeah. Is it ever deep south? Oh yeah, I mean they're they're probably they're probably people that are just watching this in like the the UK and they're probably saying, well, is this how all Americans talk? This is what Americans are like. This is what Americans. Are. <laughs> would you like to, Would you like to do that that British accent again? Uh, no, uninterrupted. I, no, I don't. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> that was that, that made my day. Thank you. I need I need something to uplift. It's yeah. I mean, talk about laying stereotypes to rest. But that it's just not not doing that at all. That did no that did no justice in terms of laying uh, any uh, any stereotypes to uh, to rest. Anyway, before we get too off topic, as we as we uh, are want to do, well, well, I mean, we do have a loaded show, but at the same but at the same time, I, I feel like everyone has some spare time in the middle of their podcast right now where they can uh, they can go off track a little bit in terms of searching for content. That's true. At least it's not like when we spent like ten minutes talking about The Godfather. Hey, 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 hey! It's a great that movie. That was a, that was a, that is a cinematic classic. It is. That is that is something that is worth spending ten minutes over. You could do a whole podcast talking about The Godfather. I'm sure there are podcasts talking about The Godfather for more than ten minutes. And those are great podcasts, and I hope every one of our listeners, after subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and leaving us a five-star review under the Basement Talk podcast, then goes and finds those podcasts and also gives them a subscribe and a five-star review, and, and even better, then goes and watches The Godfather Part 1 and Part 2, because those are, those are some great films. Part 3, don't watch it. We, 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 that does not exist. We don't talk about Part 3. Is this, is this deja vu for you, Adam? Yeah, I feel like we talked about this yet this uh, on Tuesday. I feel like I feel like there should be there should be a mention of the Godfather in at least every episode that we do. Like when we do the when we do the main show with uh, with Brett and with Tim and with Matt, Brett has a thing that he does where he has to mention the 2007 Rose Bowl every episode. I think mine is going to be now that I have to mention the Godfather or at least a reference of the Godfather in every episode. Is that the uh, Vince Young and Matt Liner? Rose Bowl. Correct. Correct. That is Texas and uh, USA when Vince Young uh, won at the death. How many times, like, how often do you mention that? How often do you need to mention that? Like, where's the context? You see what what, what Brett does is because he's learning from a great radio professional like me. uh, He's learning to work it in somehow. So he he he'll just pull something completely out of left field and he'll find a way to work it in. It's, It's it's truly magical stuff. I guess. I mean, good good for him. He's got he's got determination. I'll give him that. He's got determination. He has drive, and he is a great mentor in me. Anyway, so we're gonna be talking about <laughs> the NBA's game of horse. I love I love how you just quickly just moved on from that. Let's just move on to a different to a different topic. The actual topic that we want to talk about is the NBA's game of horse. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm done. It should be interesting because, you know, horse is a game. Horse as a game is basically a microcosm of the NBA when you think about it. You know, it's basketball, of course. But one of the main one of the main qualities you need to have to win 
is be a fucking show off. This is true. And how many NBA players are show offs? All of them. In their own little way. Yeah. In their own little way. You have to have a little bit of competitive desire to make it into the NBA. Yes, this is and true. A little bit of a little bit of uh, show off instinct to make it to the NBA. Well, I mean, you you look you look at the uh, the roster that you know is for for this uh, this horse players list: uh, Chris Paul, Trey Young, Zach Levine, Mike Conley, Chauncey Billups, Paul Pierce, uh, two WNBA stars, Ali Quigley, and Tamika Catchings. I mean. I mean, I, I, I will be the first one to say that I have not watched uh, much of the WNBA, so to see uh, the two women being represented here is going to be uh, pretty cool for the um, for the viewer that really has not watched much of the WNBA at all. But in terms of, you know, having uh, the six NBA NBA guys here, including the, the two former NBA stars and Chauncey Phillips and Paul Pierce, it's, it's going to be something really cool. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, they have come out also – with the um, with the quarterfinal matchups already, so for the first um, the first round on Sunday, April twelfth is when this is going to air on ESPN. No free advertising. Um, so the first one that we have is Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups. The second one is going to be Tamika Catchings versus Mike Conley. The third one is going to be Zach Levine versus Paul Pierce. I am dying to see that one. That one is going to be great. And the fourth one is Chris Paul versus Allie Quigley. Well, that should be interesting. I'm surprised that they didn't get, like, Ray Allen to do – Ray Allen would be great for this competition. Maybe if they got, like, Steph Curry out of um, out of his house. You never know. But – Well, you, you know what I think is interesting about this is – and I, I don't know the um, the, the real ramifications or uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, the logistics, that's what I'm looking for. That's the word. I don't know the logistics of this, but I, I'm assuming they would have to be able to access a court that is indoors. I, I, I would think. Right. And I mean, I assume that all of these players, at least, I mean, hell, I would assume Chris Paul has a, probably has a court in his house. I would assume Paul Pierce probably does. So we'll see we'll see maybe maybe trey young uh has uh goes to vince carter's house and uh does his uh his horse challenge round in uh in vince carter's house and has vince carter be uh be a part of that well that should be interesting you know the funny thing about this horse competition it already has a better tv deal than the all-american football league you're kidding me (laughs) Well, not like money-wise, but just the networks that it's on. Oh yeah, wow. You you know again this this is this is like every other media outlet that there is. Everyone is fishing for content, and I mean I mean hell, good for good for uh, after we spent uh, the first part of the last episode bashing ESPN, uh, we'll get we'll get back on their good side a little bit. Uh, good for ESPN for uh, fishing for content and coming out with something that should should draw a. T- ton of viewers i mean i'll watch i mean people playing horse trying to make the most incredible shots and these people like you know you can try a shot from the bleachers in the garden if you really want to but you know what are the likelihood that you're actually going to make that shot i mean these are people 
with the most likelihood to make these ridiculous shots. But I would love to see if there were like, well, I wouldn't love to see it, but I would want to see if there are any boundaries or restrictions on the types of shots. Cause you know, not everybody's house is the same. You're not doing this in person. It's like a right, and not every not everybody's skill set is the, is the same as well. So, like, let's say you're going to have Zach Levine going up against Ali Quigley. You don't know if Ali Quigley is going to be doing you know dunks or any or anything like that. When I could probably say that Zach Levine is going to come up with some uh, some ridiculous shots for uh, for Paul Pierce to uh, to match. It's true, because right, exactly. Like you can't just like if you if you're going up against. I mean, it's sad to say. But like in the W in the WNBA, dunking is not a thing. It's not really a thing. It's not as common as it is in the NBA. Right. Exactly. So doing like a, a crazy windmill dunk or like dunking from the foul line, if you're into that sort of thing, is almost like a death sentence if you're going up against uh, somebody in the WNBA. I mean, it's sad to say, but that's just the, that's the reality. Who uh, Who do you have? Who do you think is going to win this? Um, hmm. I think Chauncey Billups is going to win this. Chauncey Billups. Interesting. Mr. Big Shot. That's very funny because my pick is Trey Young. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. My pick is, uh, is Trey Young. You want to do, uh, you want to put a little wager on this? Well, I, we can't bet lunch. No, we cannot. We cannot bet lunch. We're going to throw it back, uh, to the old days. Uh, how about... Uh, let's see. What can we put on the line? Um, what can we put on the line? You mean besides money? Like something more interesting yeah, than that? Money. Yeah, more interesting than that. Okay, I, I, ha- I have one. I have one. Okay. Um, so in two weeks, we'll have our uh, full NFL draft coverage and, and all of that. We'll be doing starting our mock drafts next week how about this there mr caster okay so the last episode that we have before the actual draft so it would be picks 22 to 32 in two weeks before we watch the draft and then do our episode on friday reacting to the first round how about that 22 to 32 show we put up whomever wins between Trey Young and Chauncey Billups, the loser has to edit that show. Okay. Done. You're on. Great. You're on. So there we go. Uh, I'm I am sending you a virtual handshake right now. Same. That's that's interesting. That's probably the most creative thing we've ever bet on. Well, what what can I say? I mean, uh, if. If it were possible for me to drive to Port Washington to bring you an egg sandwich, I would. But I figured this is a bit, this is a bit more creative. Yeah, it's a bit. Well, yeah, exactly. Because usually and, we just decide after the fact who's editing the podcast. Yeah, and and it and it gives us something to uh, to watch for and, and root for. I'll be go I'll be going crazy on uh, on Sunday, just rooting for uh, for Trey Young. Go Chauncey Billups, Mister Big Shot. Hopefully, go Trey Young, please. All right, so the next topic we're going to be talking about is baseball. And baseball is thinking about resuming their season or starting their season in early May. 
just in Arizona. No travel. I mean, obviously, that makes the most sense because after New York, you're going to have other big cities. They're going to become the hotspots for the coronavirus. So you want to put you want to have these games in a place where there isn't any sort of a coronavirus so far. And they're thinking about doing that in Arizona. Honestly, it's an interesting proposal, but I don't really think it's going to happen when they say it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I see, I see, I see flaws in that proposal. I, I, I really do. Um, it, it, it is wishful thinking. Perhaps, Plus, it's like, and... how do you know that every single you're going to test every single player, every single uh, support, like support staff, every single manager, uh, all the scouts that are there, everything. And you're gonna have, and you're gonna play. I guess rotate throughout a bunch of spring training facilities. So it'd be like spring training again, but Correct. the games will count. Well, they were they were also saying what they want to do is they want to have much like the NHL was talking about. They want to have at least a week or two of like organized team activities, training camp, whatever you want to call it, extended spring training, just to get everyone back into it. Um, but you know. It, it it's going to be different, weird, odd, you know, just to watch these games without fans. Because because honestly, if, if you're asking me, um, the leagues can get back to playing when this virus, obviously, you know, when the, when the curve comes back down nationally and, you know, things begin to look better. But the problem is, you know... Like you said, Adam, you're 100% right. There are some areas within the country that have not had their, quote, hotspot yet. So it, what happens if Arizona gets that? Then what happens? Then do you move it back to Florida, whose hotspot, whose real peak for the virus isn't expected for another two to three weeks? Um, it's... It's 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 a challenge. It really is. Um, I... I encourage i'm encouraged that the mlb is looking to restart the season because obviously you know you you want sports back back in your life you know it, it's 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 been there's never been a time like this maybe the other the only other time that maybe you know some some people can relate to is when just the world stopped when world war ii happened and there was just nothing going on so you know obviously people can relate on that level but well, even then sports was still a thing like they well, just, a lot right. of the players didn't uh, like they had to go and serve in the military, but they still had like replacement players. Correct. Play. Correct. Like, teams it was merged. Whole exactly. Thing. Exactly. So it was it was much much more of a of a lower grade of competition, but there was still something there. I mean, there's just nothing now. No one's doing anything. The world the world has pretty much stopped, and and obviously you know if if you listen to um to the state governors from all around the country, and if you listen to the president, you know, they're all echoing the same thing. They're all echoing that they obviously want, you know, life to resume uh, to the way it was. But unfortunately, I don't know if there really is going to be a, a, a normal again, if you will, where, you know, we're just going to say, oh, okay, the virus has subsided, it's done, 
we're just going to get back to our everyday normal way of living and people are going to go out and people are going to go to ballparks and go to stadiums and, and, you know, really live their lives the way that they did. You know, I I don't think there is going to be a normal until we are 100% sure that this virus is, is done because now you have, um, what's going on now in China in the uh, in the Wuhan uh, province where the where the virus uh, originated, they're having these issues right now where people are still sort of getting sick because this virus has not completely gone. It, it's it's gone down obviously in in terms of numbers, but people are starting to get sick again, and I think that in more. In more well-developed areas in the world, especially in the United States, people are going to be more alert to this. People are going to be more cautious when resuming their day-to-day lives. And you know what? I don't, I don't blame them. So I have a really hard time, honestly, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I have a really hard time with seeing an avenue in which sports are going to resume right away with fans back in stadiums, ballparks, arenas, things like that. Well, I definitely don't. I think that the only way that sports can resume with with fans and everything is if there's a vaccine. That's it. Yeah. Like you can't when you have the when you have 30,000 people all within a couple inches of each other less than a couple of inches within each other in the in these seats and not to mention traveling to the games either by car or public transport i mean that's just an an a hot spot waiting to happen yeah no you're 100 percent right because if one guy is sick with how contagious the virus is if one person is sick then it can spread to everybody. Right. And then we're and then we're back at square one. Right. And and I think right now every everyone's main concern is we're all doing our part in terms of staying away from each other. We're all doing our part in terms of washing our hands, keeping up with our overall hygiene, and we're all doing pretty good uh, with that, but we need to keep keep it up because I don't think anybody really wants their summers to be wasted inside. Because we didn't listen in February, March, and April, and we're still going out and living our day-to-day lives, and we are still being ravaged by this virus. Plain and simple. Yep. Okay, so let's move on again. We're kind of sticking with the coronavirus, but this is in the UK, not the US. Liverpool and Tottenham. Liverpool is no is no longer doing this, but they've furloughed their employees in the wake of this. And the Premier League in England has been suspended, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago on the podcast. So, Bird, do you want to explain into greater detail? Do you want to elaborate on what this furloughing process is? Sure. So basically what the uh, what the furlough is is basically the Liverpool, Liverpool have followed in the suit of other Premier League clubs in Newcastle, uh, Tottenham, Norwich City, and Bournemouth in using the coronavirus job retention scheme, which they have put into place in the UK 
to cover 80% of wages uh, due to staff whose work has stopped since the football calendar was suspended in the middle of March. Um, Liverpool had gone on to confirm that they are going to pay the remaining 20% to those of uh, those on furlough. Um, but there have been a lot of people who just, when they heard about this, they were up in arms. And Liverpool and, 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 and Tottenham were really um, taking a, a full-on beating from uh, fans and former players and, and everyone who, who really pays attention to the game uh, were really hammering on, uh, on Liverpool and Spurs. And this, I mean, this was after Liverpool had announced a pre-tax profit of 42 million euros and a turnover of 533 million euros uh, from 2018 and 2019. So, really, it comes da- it comes down to Liverpool. Just ha- they, this is a club that has so much money to burn, where taking care of their staff, taking care of the people that work around the football club. This should not be a problem, but uh, they took a PR blasting from this, and and shame on them, shame on them. I mean, this this is a moment in our in our lifetimes where there are going to be institutions and people and groups that will be remembered for all the right and all the wrong reasons. And when you have as big of a football club as Liverpool and as as Spurs are, you know, for instance, I mean, these are two teams that made it to the Champions League final last year in European football, who have a ton of money coming into their clubs right now, and they say that they're going to use government dollars that are paid for, by the way, by the taxpayers, to go ahead and pay their staff? Like, give me a break. Liverpool and Spurs should be absolutely ashamed of themselves, quite frankly. And I know Liverpool have made the U-turn on this, and they have said that they are not going to uh, be furloughing and that everyone will be back on staff and they will be paying 100% of the staffers' wages, but they should never have gone this route anyway. And that's that's a reflection on Fenway Sports Group, who owns uh, Liverpool and John Henry, and it's a terrible, terrible look for Liverpool as a football club and Spurs in, in general. I can understand it for the lower league, the lower tier clubs like Newcastle, Norwich, and Bournemouth because... Obviously, the money isn't flowing like it is for clubs like Tottenham and Liverpool, who were just in a European final, um, and they have decided to go and take this drastic measure to go place eighty, uh, go place their staff on uh, on furlough. That's it's a disgrace. It, it is a flat out disgrace. And as far as I'm concerned, Liverpool can do whatever they want to do. Same thing with Spurs, um, but the damage has already been done, and they've taken a beating for it. And I hope they continue to take a beating for it because. There, there's no reason why they should have be struggling to pay the wages of their staffers when Arsenal are doing it, Manchester United are doing it, Manchester City are doing it, Chelsea are doing it, and you know Liverpool and Spurs were just in a European final and they can't do it. Give me a break. It's it's as far as I'm concerned, and I hope that everyone who's listening to this podcast will uh, will agree um, that it's it, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. Well, Bird, as you said a lot last episode, you hit the nail right in the head. I don't think there's anything else I can really add to this other than that this is just a horrible thing that they that they could that they're doing. I mean, for Liverpool and Tottenham, not only were they were they in a European final last year, 
but Tottenham just built their giant football shrine in on the uh, on White Hart Lane. So these clubs are inc- are incredibly rich, and the fact that they're not, that they don't want to pay their the wages of their workers, the workers that basically make the football club what they are. Without them, the the club will be in shambles because it's it's appalling. It's appalling. I no, I agree with you one hundred percent. I and I like I like the word that you just used, Adam. When you when you said you could have very easily said that they can't pay their staffers, but you didn't. You said won't. I was about to say I can't. And I think that's they can't, but they that, won't. No, that's ex- that's that's exactly it. You're 100 percent right. They wouldn't do it because they were more concerned about making sure that the owners and to some extent the coaches and the players were still going to be taken care of in terms of their weekly wages and 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 things like that and potential bonuses that can come in. And completely forgetting about the staff members that really make every, not just Liverpool and Tottenham, but every football club tick. It comes down to the staffers. It comes down to the stewards. It comes down to the security members that are at every game and making sure that every fan is taken care of in one way or another. Those are the people. Those, yes, those are the people that make every football club tick. It's not the players, it's not the coaches, because those players and those coaches and those owners as well, they come and go. But it's the staffers, it's the grounds crew, it's the security, it's everything that's associated with protecting what the football club represents that is the most important part, because those are the ones that will stay. Those are the ones that will be loyal to that club. The players... Yes, of course. There are players that come up through the youth ranks and they have a special allegiance to that club. Understood. But when you're talking about members of the community that are coming out and are basically giving their time to going to Anfield, that are going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, that are going to the Emirates, that are going to the Etihad, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge, wherever, you know, you're talking about they they put their, their lives, their heart, their soul, their tears into that club because odds are they are from the community odds are they live near the grounds and they want to be a part of their teams so when you're just going to go ahead and say you know what we're just going to treat you like nothing how do you think that makes that makes those people feel and how do you think that makes the community feel that they're basically saying oh okay we're just going to treat essentially essentially fans because that's kind of what they are in in retrospect we're just going to treat these fans like they're nothing, and we're gonna we're just gonna sit on our hundreds of millions of pounds. It's it's a joke. It's a joke, and I feel like you know Liverpool Liverpool and Spurs they can go back and they can talk about you know how they didn't mean any harm by this or anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The damage the damage is is well and done already. I think uh, we talked about uh, Jamie Carragher. Uh, he had some uh, some pretty damning words to. Uh, to say to his uh, his former club, and this is a club that he spent his entire career playing for. Yep, that's correct. So let's move on to something a bit more local. With I mean, back across the pond to America, and something that we don't really talk about a lot is uniforms, because you know, fantasy football, there are no uniforms. They you don't have to worry about it. I mean. We don't, we, we just don't, we just don't talk about uniforms. I have gotten kind of interested in talking about it because it's just an interesting 
thing to look at. But anyway, the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons have each released new uniforms. For Tampa Bay, basically they just went back to the design that they wore before they the uniform change. They that's like the the Super Bowl era design when they in 2002 when they won the Super Bowl. And it looks great. Like it looks it looks awesome. The uh the mono pewter alternate looks pretty shitty. It kind of just I don't know, it just looks like a greased up it just looks gre like it's greasy. I, I don't know, not not a fan of it, but the rest of the uniform looks great. You know, the the red the red jersey, the pewter pants, the white jersey, the white pants. Stellar. Yeah, the home the home and away the home and away jerseys look look very good. The the alternate when they first came out, we had talked to each other pretty much right away when they uh, when they released them, and we said the same thing that the home and away, the red and the white look very nice, and the what, what was it called? The pewter. Yeah, pewter. Yeah. Pewter. Okay, the pewter as it was called. I I thought it was gray for what it was worth, but uh, Mr. Adam Caster was. Uh, very quick to correct me in that it is pewter so the pewter looks terrible looks like fucking shit quite frankly yeah it's been an official if color I, if, if i'm allowed to be yeah. blunt but it's it's not good you it's only good for pants really honestly i'd rather them just have a black jersey if they wanted to do that if they want to make like a darker color yeah yeah i think i think i think the black would uh would look good. I mean, there's another team in their division that that decided to go with the black unis, and oh dear, oh, God. the Falcons. See, I thought, Oof. I thought the like, you know, I wasn't crazy when the Jets revealed their uh, new uniforms last year, but they've kind of grown on me a little. But the Falcons, oh my God, it's so so arena football, a like a like American football. Or Alliance of American Football XFL, it's so minor league. The way that they look, the I mean the black on black, yeah. it's a nice color scheme. You know you're going back to the franchise's roots. Easy on the eye, right. easy on the eye. Yeah, but it doesn't work. It really doesn't. It's a, and like the big ATL on the front. That's. That's it. That is that. That is the one thing that when uh, when Matt and I looked at the um, looked at the jerseys to start, we both were drawn right away. ATL right above the numbers, and we were just like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, yeah. No, I thought the New York above the uh, the Jets jersey was like pretty big, like garish. But no, this is like yeah, this is excessive. Yeah, this is, excessive is a way of putting it. Yeah, and then the the red gradient jersey looks like is a Man United kit from last year. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, if I had, if honestly, if I had to pick one, I would say probably there the white looks the best. Yeah, the white but looks the best. Then I, yeah, but then again, I mean, it's like you know we're. Uh, we're pulling strings here a little bit, grasping at straws. So we're as grasping were. at straws. Yes, but this—it's just not. Honestly, I would have been fine if they went back to the red, like you know the the grits the grits blitz defense, like Jerry Glanville back in yeah. the day. Yeah, I would have been totally fine with that. 
like going back to that era of low because then they'd be able to wear that throwback which is way better than the black one but uh, they are still wearing those black throwbacks honestly i think any any anything would be better than what they have right now yeah honestly i think the red jersey would look a lot better if it wasn't a gradient yeah yeah and then they have the the oversized logo on the matte helmet the logo wasn't changed which is pretty good because the logo is actually nice i do yeah i like i like their logo i always have if anything they they might have i thought they were going to change it back to what it used to look like but this is i mean it's probably one of the better logos in the nfl i think yeah top 15 yeah i'd say so top half but uh the browns are getting new uniforms also and i think that is going they're going to be revealing those next week and it looks like they're going to be going back to tradition old didn't they just get new uniforms the Browns got new uniforms in 2015. Really? Yep. It's been five. They've had those uniforms for five years? Yep. No way. Wow. Time flies. Yep. I was going to say maybe like three years ago, but five years. Wow. Yep. Well, so when Johnny Menzel first got drafted in 2014, it was the old uniforms. The right. That they've always had. And then 2015, they switched to the abominations that we see today. The abominations that we see today. Yeah, that's a that's a way of putting it. I mean, it's just like, you know, I think when it was first announced that Nike was going to be the NFL's official uniform supplier in 2012, everybody started posting concept art of like ridiculously radical redesigns of every single team. That's what that that Browns uniform looked like. Yeah, yeah. Is I would too say far. So. It would be. It's basically like if they took it took the Cowboys uniform, and they tried to add like a bunch of letters on it, and they just changed how it looked completely. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, like you can't take a, a franchise like that, like the Browns, and just mess around with their uniforms. But you know, what this really shows is this is an indictment on nike as a whole that their designs are just not good they yeah they've barely hit i don't think they've hit on one one new uniform Uh, maybe the new jacksonville uniforms maybe maybe again that's uh that's really uh you're splitting hairs there uh adam but they still fix something that they broke before so i mean yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And then the same thing with the with the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. That, I think I think we can all really agree that the um, the main jerseys that we'll see from the Bucks are uh, are winners. Yes. Well, did you see um, the day after the Bucks released their uniforms, their sales had gone up three hundred percent. Makes sense. I mean, no, those uniforms were terrible. They were terrible when they were revealed. The old well, ones. Well, ap- apparently everyone was uh, was getting the uh, the Brady jersey. Oh, what a shock! Yeah, exactly. What a what a big 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 surprise. And I'm gonna look right now 
Uh, oh, we have some breaking news on the podcast. The Detroit Lions are fielding calls on the number three pick. I did see that. I was gonna talk. I was gonna save it for when we talked about the Lions, but it's good that we that we're uh, talking about it now a little bit. Well, this is what happens when you're going on NFL.com and then going on NFLShop.com because I want to see if they have any of these jerseys. Okay, so they have the new ones, very nice, but they are they are in stock. So if you want if you want to go and uh, and buy one, you, uh, you you definitely can. No free advertising. I'll tell you what. I'm sure that after a while, those things are going to get scalped real hard. Oh, probably. Oh, probably. Yeah, the uh, the pewter ones are uh, are really gross. Uh, it's just so bad. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. The white, the I I gotta say, the white might be the one that I like the most. Yeah, I think the red one is probably the best. The red one with the with the white pants would look the best, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's, that's a fair argument. I I would hear it. So, <laughs> so right now they're saying uh, shipping on uh, these on these jerseys. Mm-hmm. This item will ship no later than Tuesday, September fifteenth. Oh my! No later than Tuesday. No later. Oh god! That's bas- That's basically saying yeah, uh, they're all gone. <laughs> so you may have them for opening day. You, you might, you might, or you just better hope that the uh, the NFL season is um, is pushed back a little bit. Yep, exactly. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into the uh, the crux of the podcast. That is correct. We're gonna go. I know. Th- I know that is your favorite word, crux. Well, it's it's one of them. Usually, I say it's the meat of the podcast. Well, yes, you you do usually say the the meat of the podcast, but there's some other words I think that are your uh, your favorites. The meat and potatoes of the podcast the meat and potatoes of the podcast yes and we're continuing our little mini series on the nfl draft and we're gonna be talking about team needs this is the nfc because you know tuesday we talked about the afc listen to that please (laughs) if you want to see uh if you're like me and you root for a team in the afc and you want to see what we talk about as far as their draft needs are concerned and it's going to be the same sort of format we're going to go in order of east, north, south, and west. And we're going to go in order of how each team finished in their division. So we're going to start with the NFC East division champion, Philadelphia Eagles. I feel Bird just like, he just like pops an artery as he heard me say that. You you heard my audible. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And they're picking 21st overall. And what the Eagles really need is another wide receiver to pair with Alshon Jeffrey and another cornerback. Because most of their corners, their starting corners last year, are free agents. And frankly, some of those corners didn't really look starting caliber anyway. Because the Eagles notoriously had one of the worst defenses in football. One of the worst secondaries in football. They were getting torched by everybody. And if we were playing fantasy, it was like, oh, 
you're playing the Eagles, start immediately. Must start. Yeah, Amari Cooper was uh, was must start against the Eagles the uh, two times a, the two times a year that he went up against them. Well, I think if Sam Darnold was playing, and not Luke Falk, Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder would, would have been must starts. I think even Matthew Berry was like, you know what, Luke Falk is a shitty quarterback, but you should probably start Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder anyway, because the Eagles' defense is just that bad. Yeah. So, what do you think, Bird? Do you think there are any other well, I, needs I, here? Well, wide receiver and corner are the two big ones that immediately jump off the page, but I'm thinking they need a replacement for Malcolm Jenkins, who departed for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm also thinking linebacker could be a need for the Eagles. But the one glaring need, obviously, is, in fact, wide receiver. They do need somebody to potentially partner with or potentially replace Alshon Jeffrey if he is in fact traded I've heard the Eagles are in fact taking calls on Alshon Jeffrey to see if they can get his contract off of their books in which in that case they in fact would need another wide receiver to go and become the de facto number one in Philadelphia and there are a couple receivers that should be in the range of uh, for the Eagles that they are going to go in that direction. I don't think that the top three are going to be there in terms of CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs. So then you're looking at basically the tier two of receivers right now, which you're looking at guys like Justin Jefferson, uh, T. Higgins, um, LaVisca Cheneau, Denzel Mims. Those are the kind of those are the kind of receivers that I think the Eagles would be interested in. Um, in terms of corner, corner makes sense because I think the Eagles can go and address that receiver spot. I mean, there is a um, – I was talking to a, uh, a buddy of mine who is actively involved in scouting right now um, for this draft, and he was basically telling me that he thinks that you can get a must-start week one receiver for you know these NFL teams in, like the, in round four, round five. Which is ridiculous, and that just tells you the how deep of a class this wide receiver group is for this year. So you can go ahead, if you're the Eagles, you can go take a corner, maybe a Christian Fulton out of LSU, maybe a Trevon Diggs of Alabama, maybe a Jeff Gladney out of TCU, or you can take a linebacker if you need. It's another, it's another need uh, for, the, for the Eagles, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, Patrick Queen out of LSU, a Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. So... There's plenty of options here for, for the Eagles. They're in a good spot. They have needs, and those needs can definitely be addressed when it comes to uh, draft day in two weeks. Okay. So, Bird, I'm actually going to leave this to you because I talked about my team last episode. So you You're can talk, a gentleman. Thank you. You could talk about the Cowboys. So... What the Cowboys really need, it, they do have a couple of, of, of spots that I think they can go and address. Corner, obviously, is, is, is a need for this for this team with losing Byron Jones in free agency. They have a need now at the number one corner spot. Jadobe Wouzier and Jordan Lewis are both there as well. They just re-signed Anthony Brown. So they have numbers there, but Wouzier and Jordan Lewis are scheduled to be free agents at the end of the year. So another corner coming in could potentially dampen the loss of Awuzie or Jordan Lewis if they are allowed to walk. 
Uh, they do have a needed edge rusher, Robert Quinn, walking away and going to the Chicago Bears. Safety, they have a little bit of a need, but they signed Haha Clinton Dix to that one-year $4 million deal. They also have Xavier Woods there as well. So safety, I think they're covered, but it could be a need if they're looking for an over-the-top stud at safety. They could go and address that area. And then, of course, interior offensive line. That is another spot which really they did not need until, of course, the sudden retirement of Travis Frederick. And that immediately became a huge need for the Dallas Cowboys. So I want to talk about interior offensive line and who is a guy that could potentially be the pick here. There's one guy that I've heard a lot about, and that is Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. 6'3", 307 pounds, he's a center, and he basically, there's never been a center taken in the top 15 of drafts. The Cowboys picked 17. The rec- the highest pick for a center was last year when the Vikings took a center at 18, and I forget who it was at the top of my head. Hold on, let me uh, go look this up. Was that Frank Ragnow? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Ragnow. It was. Was that two years ago? Ah, uh, shit. Who was it? Garrett Bradbury. Oh, that's who it was. Garrett Bradbury. So when the when the Vikings took Garrett Bradbury in uh, in last year's draft at 18 overall, the Cowboys can go ahead and break that record again this year. This year, if they go the route of Cesar Ruiz, I've heard a couple of whispers that have said Ruiz could be a pick in the top 15 because there are a lot of teams that really do like him a lot. Um, but that it, it kind of is a secondary need for the Cowboys. I don't think that is the route that they go, considering they have Joe Looney, who of course played two years ago when Travis Frederick was out with the Gillian Barr syndrome, and he filled in pretty admirably at center. So they do have a plug-and-play option there. If they do want to go ahead and draft a center they could potentially do that in the later rounds but I just don't think that center really is an immediate need for the Cowboys if they are going ahead if they're going to go ahead and draft one in the first round it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me really the two areas that I'm looking at are corner and edge rusher and we've talked about the corners CJ Henderson he is exactly what the Cowboys need he is a he is a playmaking corner he is athletic. He's got pretty good size, 6'1", 204. I've watched a lot of his game tape. I like what I see. But I've also heard some whispers that Ohio State corner Jeff Okuda could fall a little bit with the whispers that there are teams looking to trade up for a cornerback, for a quarterback, excuse me. So if Jeff Okuda, the cornerback, does fall, could the Cowboys potentially trade up to try and go get Jeff Okuda and have another shutdown corner and just replace one shutdown corner with another. It, it is definitely a possibility. And then I look at edge rusher and I say, who are the guys that I think that the Cowboys can go ahead and would make sense for them? And the one guy that I have earmarked and I think could be the pick is Javon Kinlaw, who I think may be a little bit out of their range because of just teams looking to build from the interior of their defensive line and then work their way out. But if we're talking about pure edge rusher, uh, Kayla Von Chason from LSU, he is the guy that I think Dallas could look to try and get. He's a little raw in terms of his overall skills, but he's only a sophomore. 
He was would have been would have been his junior year if he did not uh, declare. So I look at him and I say, you know what? This could be a guy that Dallas goes and gets. We talked about Etor Gross Matos. He should be there as well. There's also the possibility that the Cowboys do trade down and potentially recoup some more picks, in which case A.J. Apensa comes into play, the 6'5", 275 edge rusher out of Iowa. So those are just a couple guys that I'm looking at uh, potentially that Dallas could go ahead and try and get. Uh, one thing I would watch out for with Dallas um, in case one of the big receivers falls, a Ruggs, a Judy, or a Lamb, I think Dallas could go and maybe end their slide if that does happen. Because if you take any one of those receivers and put them with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, you could say it's the best receiving core potentially in the league on paper. Yeah, definitely. Or they could have that leverage and if teams want to trade up, they can also uh, recoup some picks for that. So that would be a win-win for Dallas. Exactly. I, I think if any if anybody saw Jerry Judy slide to seventeen, and Dallas was on the clock, I don't think uh, I I really don't think Jerry Jones would hesitate twice. I think he would take Jerry Judy, and say, you know what, we'll work it out. It'd be like the Johnny Manziel pick where he'd just be running to the uh, with the card. Except yeah, well, I, I don't I don't think that uh, that Stephen Jones and Will McClay will have to uh, wrestle the card out of uh, Jerry's hand for this one. That is true. So moving on to the New York Giants, who are picking fourth overall in the first round, and their needs are pretty similar to what their needs were last year in the draft. Uh, they need a wide receiver since you know they traded away their big one. Uh, they need a cornerback. They drafted DeAndre Baker last year, but he is kind of growing into their own, growing into his own. He had some hiccups last year, and really that uh, corner room is really lacking, because really DeAndre Baker is the only bright spot in that cornerbacking room that they have, and also and he and he struggled at times last year too. Right, exactly. So he's not like perfect. No, he's not a finished not at product at all. So they definitely need some more help around him. And especially since they cut Janoris Jenkins last year, at the end of last year. So they really have just DeAndre Baker. And that's their only like experienced corner who has a, a, any semblance of skill. And then also, like most teams, they need an edge rusher. Who would have thought? So many edge rushers around. Uh, they're... I saw, I think Ian Rappaport tweeted this month or this morning that the Giants were in the running to deal for Yannick Nagakwe. There, there are multiple teams. I think both New York teams are definitely looking to deal for Yannick Nagakwe. The Eagles are also in on that, and the Seahawks are in on that, from what I've been told. Right. And the Seahawks are another team. When we get to them, they're, they also are in need of an edge rusher. So, other than that, I think that wide receiver, corner, and edge rusher are the three big needs for the New York Giants. I would be shocked if Chase Young falls to them because you're thinking either Washington's going to pick him, Detroit's going to pick him, or Detroit's going to trade back to a team that will pick him. So that that's kind of my thought on that. So what I have heard is that 
if Chase Young is available at three, Detroit will not trade back, and Detroit will take Chase Young. That is what I've heard. Washington seems like the logical spot for him right now because he is just he he's ridiculous, and people have said he's better than both the Boses. I believe it, um, and he would give Washington one of the best young uh, defensive line groups in the National Football League, and of course you're, you're pairing him with someone like Ryan Kerrigan, who has just been one of the most underrated uh, defensive players in the game for a long time. How long has he been in the uh, that league? Would, like 30 years? It, it, it seems like it. It's It really does seem like it, but he's been in the league for 30 years, yet no one talks about Ryan Kerrigan because he's just on a shitty football team. But the one area that I think the Giants are going to address with this pick is offensive tackle. I think that that is the one area that the Giants do have to go ahead and address because much like the New York Jets where they have to prioritize protecting Sam Darnold, the Giants also have to prioritize protecting Daniel Jones. Too many times last year, we saw Daniel Jones not have enough time to throw the ball. He gets swallowed in the pocket and he creates a turnover, whether it was an interception or he was a strip sack fumble uh-huh. or any or any of the mold. So I think that the Giants, a tackle makes sense for them here. Now, Isaiah Simmons, I want to talk about him because he is an intriguing pick for the Giants. Isaiah Simmons, for me, screams like a Dave Gettleman pick as someone that you could plug in on that defense and you can just figure out where he plays. You can put him in and then you say, you know what? We'll worry about it another time. We'll figure out where we're going to play him. You can play him at linebacker. You can play him at safety. Those are two areas that the Giants absolutely need to fill one way or another. So you bring in Simmons there, he can fill two different spots. Just the question is where will he succeed is another area, and the Giants will have time to figure that out. So for me, the two picks right now for the Giants that I'm really debating on is whether you take whomever their best offensive tackle is on the board, that's who I would take, or whomever uh, or Isaiah Simmons that that for me is the is the one caveat to this is how enamored are the Giants with Isaiah Simmons if they really like him then I expect him to be a pick if they really do want to prioritize protecting Daniel Jones then a tackle would be a pick for me see when you said that Isaiah Simmons was a Dave Gettleman pick I thought you were going to say because it was completely off board and that's kind of what Dave Dave Gettleman does this is true he's, he's just very weird with, like his drafting strategy is so so weird. Like you just well, it's, Dave Gettleman is just a weird guy. It's very unpredictable. Very. So we're gonna round out the NFC East and talk about Washington. And this will be quick. Yeah, on my list for needs, I wrote Chase Young. That's yep. <laughs> I, yep. I mean, let's be real here. The only the only way that it's not Chase Young is if they're getting a boatload to trade back. Yeah, they would need like that's it. two or three first round picks, at least. Yep. To trade that, back. That is, that is the only way you do not take Chase Young. Other, other than that, Chase Young is your pick. You put him on your defensive line, and I mean, hell, you 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 need good defensive linemen because look at what the Eagles did when you're going up against the Cowboys twice a year and that great offensive line that Dallas has. You need to build a very strong defensive line to go up against that, and the Redskins would have that. Right. If they take Chase Young. I mean, that's how the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Bingo. With that defensive they won, line. They won on the backs, their defensive line. That is 100% correct. Literally. I mean, that that fumble, that was great. Uh, hearts and minds. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> moving, 
moving on to the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers lost in the NFC Championship. Go Pack Go! Lost in the NFC Championship game to the Garoppolo Show. And they're picking 30th. Some great picks have been picked 30th in the NFL draft. Like Muhammad Wilkerson. Oh my god. Never mind. Words. Words. Words Words indeed. (laughs) Wilkerson also played for the Packers, which is fun. But we're not talking about that. The Green Bay Packers, what they need are weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Of course, Devontae Adams is there. Of course, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best receiver in the league. I love him. He's he he is a he's a gentleman. But well they also and they also have Marquez Valdez Scantling, who really came into his own in twenty nineteen. But they lost their starting tight end in Jimmy Graham to an overpriced contract with the Bears. This is true. So they need a replacement for tight end, and I don't think they're bringing Martellus Bennett back out of retirement. I highly doubt it. And really, other than that, I think that the the offense and the defense really, they carried the uh, Green Bay Packers in a lot of close games. And for once, I think the defense of the Packers is really is really good, and they don't have a lot of holes there. Really what they need are... Uh, more weapons on offense to make Aaron Rodgers that much better. Adam, I agree with everything you just said. Literally everything you just said, I 100% agree with. I have literally right down in my note sheet right now, uh, needs pass catchers. That's it. That's it. Tight end, there really isn't a first-round tight end this year that the Packers are going to go ahead and draft uh, in the late rounds, 30th overall. So, what they're probably going to do is they're going to say that need for tight end when it comes to the third or the fourth round in the middle of the draft is when I think they would go and invest in a tight end. But for me, wide receiver is the pick for the Packers. And if I have to go over the list again, I will T Higgins, LaVisca Cheneau, Denzel Mims, uh, Jalen Rigor. Uh, let's just see here who else I have. That's probably the range that I would say that the Packers could go ahead and take a wide receiver and that would be okay. It's basically the tier two of my of my receivers that I have uh, for the Packers. They can go and take any of those receivers, and I think nobody would would really say, okay, that's not that's not that bad. Packers need a receiver, plain and simple. They they can't they can't allow Devontae Adams to continue to be the guy. They can. I I love it. I'm not I'm not complaining about it one bit because I do love Devontae Adams. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to give Devontae Adams all the love that he needs because, I I mean, Aaron Rodgers just loves Devontae Adams. But at the same time, the Packers do need more guys, more game-changing players on offense to really compete and potentially get to that next echelon of teams in the NFC to really try and compete for the NFC title. And getting another receiver will help them get there. And I think that is the way that the, the Packers should be going in uh, in round one all right so we're gonna go a bit earlier in the draft with the minnesota vikings and they have two first round picks because of the stefan Diggs trade they actually got a solid return for their star wide receiver cough cough bill o'brien take notes cough cough bill o'brien so they're picking 22nd and 25th and their needs involve corner minnesota lost both of their starting cornerbacks in free agency. Well, I think this is Trey, Wayne, Trey Wayne's 
didn't just didn't have a contract. His contract ran out, and then they cut. Yeah, he was an, he was an, he was an unrestricted free agent, and then he cashed in while Xavier Rose was just cut as a cap casual, which is correct. Very sad because I mean it was only a couple of years ago that Xavier Rose was the best corner in football. So agreed, agreed. And they also need another wide receiver to complement Adam Thielen. Correct. And also an edge rusher because Everson Griffin is another unrestricted free agent. So other than that, I mean, what do you, what do you think, Bird? What's your take on this? Well, I think corner obviously is the, is the big need for the Vikings. Like you said, Adam, they've lost their just two starting corners. So that is a big problem. And the Vikings, I would assume are going to go and, and spend one of those first round picks on a corner on a corner and then probably receiver for me is is the pick they could go and get an edge rusher but i think for me based on where they're where they are in the first round i think they're going to have their crack at any one of those tier two receivers i just talked about for the packers i think the vikings will have a, a crack at one of them and i think that could be one of the pick one of the picks that the vikings uh, go ahead and potentially try and use to help get more weapons in that offense for Kirk Cousins. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they were going to go offensive line, continue to try and beef up the interior of that offensive line as well. Uh, maybe interior of the defensive line as well could be an area. And maybe, maybe potentially uh, try and go for a linebacker. But I think I think corner and wide receiver are the two areas that, that the Vikings absolutely have to try and strengthen. Okay. So the Bears do not have a first-round pick. That is property of the Las Vegas Raiders. Still weird, but really what the Bears need is they need to fix their offensive line, plain and simple. Almost both areas of their offensive line with the tackles and the interior. They need to get some players in there that can help solidify that and protect whoever's starting, whether it be Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. And also, uh, corner and safety. Their secondary needs to be remodeled. I mean, once again, it seems like it was so long ago that the Bears had the best sec- one of the best secondaries in the league. And now, time flies. Life comes at you fast. You have to re- you have to remake it. A lot of you, a lot of the great players that were there, either have declined, or they just or they left. So. Uh, that's uh, kind of where we are with the Bears. Of course, they they don't have a first-round pick, but I think there should be offensive linemen and corners and safeties in the second round where they where they're going to be picking because the Bears were not good last year, so they're going to be they're going to have a relatively high second-round pick. Here's what I have down for next to the Chicago Bears: they need talent. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. They need, they need talent. They can, they can pick at any position. They just need talented guys. Yes, interior offensive line, corner, and safety. Absolutely, those are their primary needs, one hundred percent. But if they were going to go and maybe draft a younger quarterback, or maybe try and bring in another receiver, or maybe an, another edge rusher, or even a secondary running back, maybe late, late in the draft, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. They need help. They need help, and they need influx of talent. That's what they need more than anything. I don't even think that it's a positional thing 
for the Bears at this point. I just think that they need just an influx of youth with that team because it, it really, there is no excuse why the Bears should have been as bad as they were in 2019. They were they were awful. And you could say it came down to the quarterback, it came down to the coach, whatever you want to say. The Bears are just not a very talented football team, even with the guys on defense that they have and Allen Robinson on offense, who is one of the, the most underrated receivers in the league by a long shot. They still don't have enough talent on that football team to be anywhere near, anywhere near close to competitive in a very, very, very difficult NFC. Right. And especially their own division is very difficult. In their own division, yeah. Their own division, sure. And moving on, the Detroit Lions, they have the third overall pick, and they also need a cornerback because they traded away Darius Slay to the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles. God, it seems like it was forever ago that that trade happened. It it seems like it was a it was seems like that trade happened four score to seven years ago. Yes, uh, they need defensive line help as well, and of course, if Washington makes the mind-boggling decision to pass on Chase Young, then they're they're going to pick Chase Young. Correct. So that is basically the gist of it. And as we talked about when we had that breaking news, the Lions are shopping the third overall pick. So. That should be interesting if they want. If there's a team that wants to uh, move up to get one of the big, one of the quarterbacks, or they want to move up to get one of the big offensive linemen. So it should be interesting to see if what comes of that. And I think if that for the right deal, of course, the Lions should take it because more picks is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, Adam, I agree with you 100%. I wrote down the same exact thing for the Lions as I wrote down for the Bears. They need more talent. But for the Lions, it's it's different because they need to build on a foundation that they have in place. Their defense needs a ton of help. That is the most obvious place to start if you are the Detroit Lions. And Jeff Okuda is a perfect pick for them if, of course, they do stick at three and Chase Young is gone. Uh, interior defensive line if they do, do decide to trade down uh, Derek Brown could be in play for them or potentially Javon Kinlaw Brown out of Auburn and Kinlaw out of South Carolina and then edge rusher like you said Adam if Washington does trade out of two and a team comes up and takes a quarterback then the Lions are sitting pretty at three and they have the best pass rushing prospect in years uh, right in their laps with Chase Young yep exactly exactly but they need they need help all along their defense. Well, that that is yeah. that is the one place where I am starting with the Detroit Lions is they need to draft defensively, defensively, defensively. At least the one thing that they have over the Bears is that the Lions have their quarterback. Correct. Correct. And all, all this all this talk about Matt Stafford not being the guy. Matt Stafford is that guy. They are paying him way too much money for him not to be the guy. He's been there for ten years. Right. This is going to be his 11th year in the National Football League. Would you would you agree with me, Adam, um, when I say that Matt Stafford might be one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the league? I would say that. Okay. All right. I, I, I've been thinking it for a long time because that dude, that dude has taken a beating over the course of his career 
with the Lions, and he still finds a way to, to get it done. His numbers are really, really impressive. He throws for a lot of yards, throws for a ton of touchdowns, is pretty good in terms of protecting the ball, but he just gets so banged up. It's true. I mean, that's what happened when he was first drafted. He was injured a lot. He had, there was like a solid period where he wasn't, he was pretty healthy. And then the past couple of years, he's been getting injured a fair amount. I mean, one of his yeah. most famous games, he was a, he threw the game winning touchdown on a torn ACL. It's true. Great quarter. And that was, yeah. that was against who? Brady Quinn. And the Cleveland Browns. That's right. That's right. It was against the Browns. Yep. Wow, that was so long ago. Holy crap. Yep, that is correct. So, wow. yeah. Let's move on to yeah. the NFC. Center. Lions need talent. Yeah, no. Lions right. need defensive talent. Done. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Lions need, need defensive talent. That's it. So, moving on to the NFC South. The New Orleans Saints, picking at 24, they clinched the division on Thanksgiving, which is pretty cool. I remember I was at work that day uh, covering the Saints and Falcons, and uh, Sean Payne was like, oh my god, how incredible is this? Clinching the division on Thanksgiving. It's rare that teams get to do that so early. But what they really, what they need, they need linebackers, they need corners, and they need wide receivers. Of course... Michael Thomas is still there. Mar- uh, Marshawn Lattimore is still there. But they need uh, players around them. I mean, the NFL is probably the most team-oriented sport out of all of the team-oriented sports. Because you can't just have one guy in the NFL to win it and then be amazing. You have to have at least at least 22 good guys to win a Super Bowl. Would you agree with that, Bird? I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. You're 100% right. I mean, I look at the Saints, and I could say that they are probably the only team that I was uh, really looking at that can probably go for best player available on their board. I, I really think that the Saints can go any direction that they really want with their pick. I, I mean, I think if, the, if they're looking at one area where they have to try and go and bring somebody in, it is linebacker. Um, but in terms of corner, they have uh, Janaris Jenkins one side, Marshawn Lattimore on the other. And then, of course, what they have at a wide receiver with Michael Thomas and, of course, uh, the, uh, the the Adonis that's known as Taysom Hill, who, who, who I don't know what his position is at this point. He could go out, catch passes. He can go throw passes. He can run. I, I I don't I don't know what Taysom Hill really is, but uh, if they want to go right wide receiver, they can. They want to go linebacker, they can. Uh, they they can go whatever direction that they want, and I don't think anybody will really uh, will really go crazy about the Saints. They are in a very good position. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, I think that they could probably trade back in the draft if some team really want really sees a player that they like. They could. And they definitely could because. Once Drew Brees retires, I mean, the Saints really would need to uh, figure out a way to to rebuild. And honestly, what a great situation that would be for whichever quarterback comes into there. And they have like a ready-made playoff team. I mean, maybe it's Taysom Hill. 
Maybe it's one of the, maybe it's another quarterback a couple years from now, Justin Fields. Who knows? That would be interesting. Who knows? But moving on to their rivals in the Atlanta Falcons, the now horribly dressed Atlanta Falcons. They're picking 16, and they basically just need to replace a lot of the players that they lost in free agency. They lost their top edge rusher in uh, Vic, Be- in Vic Beasley. They need to replace him. Uh, that says a lot when their top pass rusher was uh, was Vic Beasley that they uh, they just said, nope, nope, we're not bringing you back. Cut. Yeah. Well, they did bring in Dante Fowler, but I th- they did. But I think you know you need more more than one edge rusher to be. They need they need an opposite side edge rusher, correct? Yeah. Because then you just have double teams, and. Then, no, then it's like you don't have an edge rusher. Uh, their offense or their linebacking core is getting a bit older. Deion Jones is still pretty good, but I think that they would love to have people that like uh, more depth at that position. Uh, corner as well. Uh, the Falcons also last year had a pretty terrible secondary that got torched a lot, and it's. Uh, been like that for a while i mean 20 uh, 2018 they had all those injuries in the secondary and they were terrible and this year there was really no excuse because they had a, like they basically they had mostly a mostly healthy uh secondary corners and safeties and they just did not succeed at all so other than that what do you think bird well, I have a couple needs down for the uh, for the Falcons. Corner definitely is one that jumps right off the page, especially after losing Desmond Trufant, who was subsequently released and signed by the Detroit Lions. So corner definitely is a need for the Falcons, which jumps off the page right away. I believe they also could definitely go for an interior defensive lineman to pair with Grady Jarrett, who is one of the most underrated uh, defensive tackles in football. I think if they were to bring in someone like a Javon Kinlaw again, I feel like I've mentioned his name about 10 times uh, over the course of this episode, but here I am. I think he could be a really good fit for uh, for the Falcons. Edge rusher, I think that is also a need as well, again, because you don't want to have uh, Dante Fowler just get double teamed every single play. And here's a need that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. How about running back? I think running back is definitely a need for, for the Atlanta Falcons, especially when you have uh, Gurley coming in there, who is we all know is not the same Todd Gurley that he once was, and you can't really rely on him to be healthy week in, week out. I think if they were to get a 1A, 1B sort of running back in this draft, it could really go a long way in terms of trying to replace the departed Devontae Freeman and really ignite the Falcons' running game. I think potentially, if you want to go and talk about a Jonathan Taylor, that could go there. I think that's okay. I think if you want to stay within the state of Georgia— DeAndre Swift, he could be a, a fantastic fit for the Atlanta Falcons as well. Right. Because, I mean, they have they have Todd Gurley, they have Edo Smith, but I think in the first round, they're probably not going to be dra- thinking about drafting a running back, especially with uh, the 16th overall pick. Correct. Yeah. So we're going to go two picks early here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who coincidentally also need a running back. What a shock. And they all big shock, yeah, big shock. And also, they need an offensive tackle, which a lot of teams do need. And I don't think, I mean, I can confidently say that the four big offensive tackles are not going to be at fourteen, where the Bucks were picking. 
Would you would you agree with that? Um, I think we could be surprised. I, I think we really could be surprised that maybe one of those tackles does slip to uh, to the Bucks. I don't think it's too crazy. Maybe that one of uh, Jedrick Wills or maybe Andrew Thomas were to slip through the cracks and the Bucks get their hands on one. I think if any of those four tackles do slip, uh, they're not making it past fourteen. That's for sure. Yep, that is yeah. Because, because I mean, outside outside of uh, tackle and running back, I really don't have any other needs for for the Bucks that jump off the page. So, I think if if we really see the four tackles gone, the Bucks that could be a prime spot for them to trade down, especially if there's a team that's looking to trade up for one of the receivers. If the receivers make it past that gauntlet of 11, 12, 13, Jets, Raiders, 49ers. All three teams could potentially be in the running for a running back. If any one of those, uh, for excuse me, for in the running for a receiver. Thank you. Words. Um, we could see a team trade up potentially to the Bucks that would then trade up to take one of those three receivers. Yeah, that that could. That's plausible. Definitely. It makes sense because it makes sense just yeah, on no. paper. Right. Exactly. I mean, another area that maybe the Bucks could try and go potentially is safety maybe maybe that they want to take Xavier McKinney out of Alabama that could be a fit there just to add something else to uh to the secondary but it, for me it comes down to tackle you have to protect Tom Brady plain and simple yep Tom Brady has succeeded in his career where he has had an incredible offensive line so this is like true most quarterbacks this is true and Finishing with the NFC South, we're going to go with the Carolina Panthers, who are picking at seven. Uh, They need help on the defensive line and the offensive line, and also uh, for corner, because, you know, James Bradbury, their number one corner, has left to move up to New Jersey to play for the New York Giants. This is true. And honestly... That them needing help on the defensive line, the offensive line is not as much of an indictment as you think it is because really they need help on the interior defensive line and in the interior offensive line in the interior offensive line. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it there. I don't know if bird has any sort of uh, con- a counterpoint to that. If maybe there are other positions of need that they're, that they could be looking for. Nope. Adam, you hit the nail on the head again. Um, I think Derek Brown is a great fit for the Panthers at number seven overall. If he, That's kind of like in the wheelhouse where I expect him to go. And I would look out for if Okuda falls. If Jeff Okuda falls, I think the, the floor for him is number seven to the Panthers. I think that is where we could definitely see the Panthers go ahead and then take uh, Jeff Okuda at seven. And he would basically be a shutdown corner in a division where you really do need a shutdown corner, given the uh, immense receiving talent that is in the NFC South in terms of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and, of course, Calvin Ridley. And the quarterbacking talent. Yes, yes, you have uh, two surefire Hall of Fame uh, quarterbacks and Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and then one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in, uh, in Matt Ryan. Who could definitely get the job done. Hall of Very Good. Yes, yes. Hall of Fame and then Hall of Very Good. Correct. So the next team we're talking about 
are the San Francisco 49ers, who have the 13th overall pick that was acquired in the Eric Armstead trade. And they also have the 31st overall pick for losing the Super Bowl in heartbreaking fashion to the Chiefs. And their needs are much like the needs of a lot of other teams on these uh, lists. They need a corner because Richard Sherman is uh, still getting up there in age. I don't think he... And he is on, I believe he's on a one-year contract for the San Francisco 49ers. So they they need they just need quarterback corner help in general, uh, wide receiver help as well. Uh, the wide receiving core has never really like f- shocked me. You know, it's never really jumped out jumped off the page on me because they've never had a clear number one wide receiver. They have a lot of number twos and number threes, but they don't have like a Julio Jones, a Mike Evans or a Devontae Adams or a DeAndre Hopkins who is now in their division. They haven't really had one since Jerry Rice. They have not had that set that in terms of this elite receiver talent since Jerry Rice was there, but they haven't had to. Mm, I don't know. I think Terrell Owens. I'll get to you. Good point. Good point. But maybe Michael Crabtree? Maybe. Maybe. T.O. The T.O. argument I can hear. Yeah, no. T.O. definitely. But, uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm looking at for the San Francisco 49ers, who yeah. have the benefit of having two first-round picks. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's there's nothing that what you just said that is not... That is not uh, inaccurate by by any way they could definitely use a wide receiver they can definitely use a corner they could try and beef up their offensive line as well and potentially maybe their defensive line uh they are looking to replace uh eric armstead right so next up is the seattle seahawks who have the 27th overall pick in the first round and they're looking to replace the departed Jadavion Clowney at edge rusher who could still be back who could still be back mind you who could still be back. He is still a free agent as we are recording. Although knowing our luck, by the time the bird is editing this, Jadavion Clowney will sign with the Jets or something, or the Seahawks. Who, never, who knows? That is that is how things go. If he, if he signs with the Jets after when I'm editing this, I will literally call you back up and say, we need to start this podcast all over again. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt you doing that. And you, and you know I would. I, yeah. I've known you long enough to know that you would. 100%. I'm so I'm so glad that you know that by now. Yeah. We we've definitely done things like that before. Yes, we have, we've indeed. Recorded supplemental parts of the podcast when stuff is broken. This is this is what this is what we do though. Yes. So, uh in There's no there's no oh. such thing as being mentally sane in the uh in the podcasting industry. Yeah, in the media industry in general. This is true. We're all nuts. This is very true. And in addition to edge rusher, the Seahawks also need offensive line help. Because Russell Wilson can't do it all himself. And the the Seahawks lost. I mean, George Fant wasn't really like a big contributor to the offensive line, but he was definitely a solid piece, a solid depth piece. What are you talking about? George Fant is a Hall of Famer, according to Jets fans. <sighs> I'm not even I'm not even going to bother responding to that. 
Oh, you you don't you don't want to uh, you don't want to have your rebuttal? No. <laughs> he's not a Hall of Famer. I'll tell you what. Oh, he's a, well, he, he, some some Jets fans would uh, would argue otherwise. Well, some Jets fans want to take a wide receiver at eleven, so I'm not going to trust some Jets fans. That this is this is true. I would say that's a uh, that is a very very good idea. They want us to take a wide receiver at eleven. You know what? Don't don't start me on this, Bird. I don't want to. I'm not. We're not going into this. We're already in an hour and a half recording. It's not happening. Hey, I'm editing it. Number one, so it won't be it won't be your problem. And uh, number two, uh, there are some Jets fans that would. Uh, I I honestly think they would go absolutely bananas if they uh, if you decide to draft a uh, a tackle over a receiver like Lamb or uh, or Judy. But we will find out which way the uh, the New York Jets are going to go in two weeks during the draft, and when we do our uh, full mock draft. Uh, over the course of the next three episodes, starting next week. That's right. I feel like you're subtweeting your brother when you say that. In what way? When you say that you you think some Jets fans would go crazy if they draft a receiver over a ta- over tackle. He's a Giants fan. Your brother? Yeah, I thought he's a Jets fan. No, 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 no. Matthew Matthew Birdsall is a uh, is a Giants fan. Huh. Okay, I think maybe I'm thinking of Brett. Brett's a Jets fan, uh, right? Y- y- yes. Yes, he he kind of floats around. He, well, he Chris he kind is of a Jets floats. fan too. Chris Chris is a Jets fan. Yes, correct. So anyway, uh, moving back. How to do we the, get? How do we get on the on the tangent? George Fan. Oh, George Fan. Yes, Hall of Famer. Got it. Well, I think hopefully that actually turns out to be true. I'll say that. For your sake, for for the sake of my favorite football team, hopefully that turns out to be true. He's a solid player, but anyway, what do you think, Bird? What do you think about the Seahawks? Um, well, obviously, edge rusher jumps off the page, but I don't think they're going to go with edge rusher unless they absolutely have a feeling that Jadavion Clowney is not going to be back in town for uh, for the Seahawks. So in that event. Uh, I think offensive line. I think any of the positions along the offensive line are where the Seahawks are probably going to go. Um, any one of the tackles, Jones or Jackson, could potentially be a fit uh, for for the Seahawks. I think that that is definitely a way that they could go. Uh, maybe if Cesar Ruiz were to fall, that there could there could be a landing spot there for him. Um, but any any offensive lineman, whoever the the best offensive lineman that they have on their board. When they are on the clock, that is the pick that I think the Seahawks are going to go and uh, and run with in the first round. Yeah, the, it's been a thing for years where the Seahawks have just not had a solid offensive line for no, no, sir. Russell Wilson. Whether it be just either blocking quality or penalties. Is the uh, penalty sh- machine known as Jermaine Effetti still on the Seahawks? Um, I believe he is. The holding penalty machine. He's like Brian Winters with how many holding penalties he draws. God, if I had a dollar for every time Brian Winters got a holding penalty. So uh, Jermaine Jermaine Effetti is not on the Seahawks anymore. He is on the Chicago Bears. Oh, well, hopefully they have better offensive line coaches there. (laughs) We can only hope so. We can only hope. 
from a team in the late first round to a team without a first round pick. The Los Angeles Rams, who are also now poorly dressed, although we don't know, poorly branded, I would say, because their logo is poor. They're poorly everything. And who has probably one of the worst owners in the NFL, next to Dan Snyder. Professional sports is probably more like it, but yes. That's true. He does own multiple professional sports teams. Yeah, including one that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you were a Colorado Avalanche fan, Bird. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, so yes, the... for for all those for all those that are lost, uh, Stan Kroenke and uh, KSE uh, are the proud one hundred percent owners of one Arsenal football club. Right. Is it? Uh, well, and then Josh runs the Avalanche. And... No, Josh runs. Josh runs um, Arsenal too. Oh, okay. I thought you. Yeah, Stan. Yeah, Stan. Stan doesn't know that Arsenal exists. I guess not. He he came in, built them a stadium, and then left. Pretty much, but now, uh, but uh, from from what I understand, Josh has a has a pretty good uh, reputation, so that helps him. That he's not that he is not his father. Well, they did hire a solid manager. This is true. Who hopefully gets better from coronavirus. Well, he he he's he's hundred percent healed. Oh, he's good now. Oh, good. He's good. He's good. Yeah, he's uh, he's corona free. Uh, for those that are completely lost, uh, Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta um, had coronavirus. He is cleared. He's healthy, and he's uh, he's ready to get back to uh, to training when um, when this obviously subsides. Some would call him the Donovan Mitchell of the Premier League, in the sense that he caused the league to get suspended. Uh yeah. Yeah. Well, tacti- technically, it would be uh, Rudy Gobert. Rudy oh, Gobert right. was the one who tested Rudy positive Gobert. for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and then Donovan Mitchell tested positive from Rudy Gobert. And Donovan Mitchell has not been too pleased with uh, Rudy Gobert. Well, I wouldn't. Neither would I. If I infect, like, li- if I infected you with a potentially deadly disease, do you think we would be on speaking terms? Do you think we'd be doing this podcast right now? Um, it depends, it depends because today is a holy day. So I would say that I would forgive you for one day. Are you talking about Passover? Because good Friday is tomorrow. It's holy. It is holy Thursday today. It is, it is the, it is the end of Lent today. So literally after this podcast is done, I'm going to uh, find a holy Thursday mass to live stream. And then once the mass is done, I am free of my um, of what I've given up for Lent, and I am going to crack open a nice ice cold beverage, and I'm going to enjoy myself while I am editing this podcast. All right, so I mean that shows how much I know about Christianity. It's not of a course. Lot. It's not a lot. Uh, you know, you know as much about Christianity as I know about Judaism. But I would say that I am more well versed in the area of Judaism than than you are in Christianity. I mean, mainly I only know the holidays that cause things to close, which is basically the uh, the major ones. You know, Christmas, Easter, yeah, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, it's the reason why my mo- my mom actually isn't working tomorrow because uh, the stock market is closed on Good Friday. Yes, yes, this is true. But anyway, let's move. Let's go back to what we were talking about, which is the Rams. How how the hell did we get here? 
I, I have no idea. I don't know anymore. <laughs> oh, we were talking. We were, we're talking, talking about, about Stan uh, Kroenke. Yeah, we were talking about KSC. Then we talked about coronavirus. And then we said what would happen if one of us gave each other coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Why okay. do we do this? How do we do this? <laughs> I don't know. We're fishing for we're, we're fishing for content. <laughs> uh, we need better bait. I think we do. We're going to need a bigger <laughs> As they say in jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat. I think I think I have my uh, I think I have my title, my eccentric title for uh for this episode. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> what would happen what would happen if Adam gave Ed coronavirus. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know why I'm laughing. God, well, I'm going to hell. It hasn't happened. I'm going to hell quickly. Okay, can we can we finish this? Yes, we're only we only have two teams left. <laughs> Thank God. So the Rams do not have a first round pick. They uh, traded it for Jalen Ramsey, as was well publicized. But they need replacements for the two players that they released, who are Dante. Well, Dante Fowler wasn't released. He just left in the free agency. But they did release Clay Matthews. Correct. So they need to replace Clay Matthews and uh, Dante Fowler. So really edge rusher and linebacker are what we're thinking of here. I've seen on sub websites that corner is a place of need, but I don't really see it as much unless they, I mean, unless they're just not going to sign Jalen Ramsey to a contract extension. Well, be... I think they do need a corner because they no longer have Nikel Roby Coleman, who now is with the Eagles. So they do have a need at corner, but do I think they go and address that in the first round? Probably not. Well, or I mean, even in the second round yeah. because they don't have that first round pick. Right. I guess technically they did address corner in the first round because they traded their first round pick for Jalen Ramsey. This is true. This is true. So I guess you could say that. Yeah. In a roundabout way. Yeah. But I think I have, I actually have the need for the Rams as uh, they need just bodies. Honestly, I think at every position other than uh quarterback, because they've paid an obscene amount of money to Jared Goff. And wide receiver because their wide receivers their wide receivers are pretty set unless they trade Brandon Cooks then that could be an area that I could see the Rams going and investing in but right now other than quarterback and receiver they can use help pretty much everywhere else. It's weird that the trade rumors for Brandon Cooks have just died down. Yeah, very much like so. They they peaked much like coronavirus. They peaked for a little bit and now it has dropped considerably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if coronavirus has dropped significantly, but the Brandon Cooks train rumors have. Well, there's a curve. Uh, oh, very good. Mr. Caster, you know what? You know what? This this is why you are a very professional. This is all you. I'm giving you a nice little golf clap here, so that way I don't blow any, any of our listeners' eardrums out. Very, very nice. Well done. Yes. There is a curve of interest. The interest peaked, and then about two weeks later from that, there is no interest, as far as we know. As far as we know, this is true, and and I'm I I feel like I am pretty well connected, and I have not heard anything about Brandon Cooks. So yeah, I mean maybe this is the kind of trade that happens uh, around the draft, potentially. But you never know. You you re- literally you literally do not 
you never know what what's going to happen there it could happen in any moment much like the Judavion Clowney saga it could happen while Bird is edi- editing the podcast so and I'll yeah. be a very very unhappy boy much like uh, Todd Gurley getting released which happened when I was editing the podcast and you were a very very unhappy boy yeah I was that is definitely one way of putting it <laughs> I would use some other words, but yeah, no, that's this, that's this basically is, it. This is a this is a PG program. Well, PG thirteen. Well, I don't know, because remember, I told you that you're only allowed to use "fuck" once in PG in a PG thirteen movie. Okay, and this is rated R. Cause I think I I've, yeah. I've gone over my uh, my usages of the word "fuck." Yeah, it's kind of weird. You can say shit whenever you want, but you can only use "fuck" once. That's I pers- personally I think I think both are uh, are excellent cuss words. Yes. Really, really put the point across. Okay, so we, can right. we do the can we do the Cardinals and get this done, please? With that said, let's let's do the fucking Cardinals. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> With that being said, the Arizona Cardinals are picking eighth overall, and luckily for them, they have their quarterback of the future, at least. As far as they're concerned. So if there's a team that is desperate for a quarterback, looking to trade up, then they are in the driver's seat for that. And they need help on their offensive line. The Cardinals have had a multitude of either injuries or poor performance on their offensive line over the years. And at number eight, they are in one of the best positions to rectify that by picking one of the best tackles available, which is either Andrew Thomas, Mekhi Becton, Jedrick Willis, or Tristan Wirfs. And also, edge rusher is a possibility, and linebacker is a possibility. I would not be shocked if Isaiah Simmons is a pick here for the Arizona Cardinals. He seems like a player that would... Uh, would be there for Arizona and for edge rusher of course they have Chandler Jones there but they need somebody to compliment him because like it was previously said if you have if you already have an edge rusher and then there are double teams it's like you don't have an edge rusher so there's that uh, bird what do you think what's your input on this tackle 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 I would have, I would have said receiver, but they have already filled that with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So now we have gone to we have to protect Kyler Murray, and mindly, uh, you want to get someone opposite of DJ Humphreys, and they can go and do that with the eighth overall pick by taking one of the tackles. I think that is a uh, an excellent call by you uh, there, Mister Caster, to uh, go ahead and uh, say that the Cardinals are going to go with a uh, the best available tackle because that is that is what I would do. If I am, uh, if I, uh, if I am, of course, general manager Steve Kime. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm a team in the top ten, I'm either going edge rusher, tackle, or quarterback. At this point. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, or receiver. Yeah, depending on who it is. Depending on who it is, but most of the time, you're gonna see a lot. You're gonna see a lot of T's. You're gonna see a lot of E's. You're gonna see a lot of O's. And a lot of R's. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, that's it. Do you have any final thoughts on the 
on all the NFC teams. Maybe something you may you might have forgotten, something you still remembered. For I, I still can't I still can't believe I'm gonna have to edit this. This is gonna be a, a painstaking process. I'm sorry. No, it is it is it is completely okay. I have uh, I've milked many podcasts in the past, so I guess this is uh, this is just something that I had coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast, including the special editions of the Basement Talk Podcast with Bird and I, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And that is just the Basement Talk Podcast. They're all there in that neat little package. So next week, we're going to be talking about mock drafts. We're going to be starting off with the first 10 or 11 picks of the first round and yeah so the way we're the way we're going to do it is uh one to 10 no one to 11 sorry is going to be on tuesday 11 to 21 is going to be on thursday and then the following week tuesday is going to be 22 to 32 Right, and then Friday is going to be the reaction to the first round. Correct. So keep your eyes peeled, keep your ears ears open for those episodes of the Basement Talk podcast. And so for my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.